Today is February 24th, 2014, and I'm talking to Pokey, and we're going to be talking about a software project called Osmond, O-S-M-A-N-D. Good evening. Well, Pokey, I heard through another HPR episode that you actually use a paper map sometimes for navigation. I, I used to. I used to use paper maps an awful lot more than I do now. I used to carry one with me. I always have one in the car. I mean, the, the, there's always one, you know, for whatever state I'm in. Uh, if I can get one, I've got one in the car. I used to carry one with me all the time on my motorcycle. I've got them tacked to the wall around my office just because I like maps. And then, like when I was a motorcycle rider, I'd come home from a weekend of exploring and riding roads I'd never been on before, and I'd highlight the ones that I that I rode. So for my state in New Hampshire, I'd got most of the state highlighted and a lot of the surrounding states as well. But I don't use a paper map too, too much anymore, though I do know how to use them. Even like topo maps, I can do uh, elevation stuff on like trails that way. It's not that bad. But typically now I'm using um, some kind of software to, to do mapping. Yeah, well, personally, I really like paper map and Atlas. And I have a bit of a collection of them. And when I go to visit a place, I usually pick up a local map and I keep those in a file. But I see the advantage of using an electronic device, a GPS, because it locates you and uh, there's a lot more information in it and you can page through and get to it real easy. And so, you know, hearing you talk about that, and I think you mentioned Osmond when I heard this HPR episode where you said that. And so I contacted you to see if you would want to get together with me and talk about this. And so Osmond is... Global Mobile Map Viewing and Navigation for Offline and Online OSM Maps. I was going to look here and see the name Osmond, Navigation Routing Based on OpenStreetMap for Android Devices Project. I was trying to find the actual name for it here to um, point out what the acronym actually stands for. Yeah, again, I, I forget. I can never remember that one because the A-N-D... Maybe they changed it. Maybe now it is for Android, but it didn't used to be, and it was something just a little a little odd to remember. If you're switching over from paper maps to electronic maps, um, I'll tell you what. When I did that, the one thing about it that I found really, really frustrating is I don't have any devices that are a foot and a half tall and 12 inches wide to view a map on. And it's so frustrating not being able to see a large piece of area for my electronic devices. They're simply for the most part, they're simply for navigation. If I have to look at a big map and it's electronic, I I need a monitor for that. I got to go home and sit down at the computer or look at a paper map. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I like to have the large format and to be able to look, you know, at different areas and fold the map and be able to kind of pick out where I'm at. I did find here where it talks about the name for Osman. It's OSM Automated Navigation Directions. So it's and it's integrated with OpenStreetMap, really. Yeah, that's that's um, a really nice thing about it. Is is it is in my opinion the navigate the, the the navigation software for people who use OpenStreetMap. It may not be the best thing out there for everyone. There's different you know navigation softwares out there and devices and you know people have their own preferences about it but if you're a, a person who uses and edits OpenStreetMap 
this, as far as I can tell, this is the only one that lets you use OpenStreetMap data. So your data, your edits, um, in you know, in, in a device that that navigates you uh, offline. This thing, it, you know, you you pre-cache the maps, and it's got built-in routing, which a lot of the other things that I've tried over the years either didn't pre-cache the maps or couldn't do their own routing. They had to um, uh, get their routing done from some server online somewhere. Like I'm pretty sure Google Maps didn't used to uh, have any routing locally. If you were offline, you were stuck. It would it, it seemed like offline routing because it would update them whenever you had you know Wi-Fi signal at a stoplight if it was before phones or something like that. Uh, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. And then there was another one that I used to use on my N810, and I, I don't remember the name of that navigation software, but that couldn't do its own routing. You had to have a Wi-Fi signal or um, a cell signal if it was the N810 with the, the cell chip in it. You, and it, it had to you know call out for that navigation. Couldn't do it locally. And if you veered off track, it could not um, recalculate you know, if you were one road over, you had to find your way back to the, the track it was recommending for you. I'm interested in this offline routing and especially taking data out of OpenStreetMaps or OpenStreetMap. I know the um, HPR episode that um, Ken did with um, Bostam Part 1, episode 1447, there's an interview by a, with a Frenchman in there about OpenStreetMap. He was corrected that it's not OpenStreetMaps. I do a bit of mountain biking around, and so I'm in the forest and going up logging roads and that, and actually into trails that are sometimes just animal trails. So I like to try to get a track of that so that I can share it with other people so that a ability to edit the map and then be able to share that is really important to me. So I'm really happy to have found this Osmond, um, basically GPS program. Yeah, I, I don't do a lot of mountain biking. I did a bit when I was a kid. Mostly now it's hiking. Um, and I I don't even really use Osmond for that. I use, uh, oh, which one now? OSM Tracker I use because that'll display the map. But again, you need a cell signal or you need to pan around while you've still got Wi-Fi and, uh, and pre-cache that. But that's what I use for Tracker just because it handles all the uploading and handles, um, you know, point-to-point notes and stuff. But I, I don't think that that's fast enough um, to use mountain bike. And I think, I think you're right that Osmond is the, the one for that. Plus, you've got, you can do bicycle settings in Osmond. It's got uh, different modes, car mode, walking mode, bicycle mode. And you've mentioned this, is that you can use this offline. So it is essentially, if you have a device with a GPS that collects a GPS signal that can use this program, you basically have a GPS now with a base map and actually an editable map or a map that you edited so you can have a local map right on your device just like you downloaded something and this is a free project it's licensed gpl v3 yep and as far as i know there are three ways to get osmond you can get it from the f-droid market however that's a much older version than current apparently it's a very difficult program to compile um, so to get the latest one, you have to get either the free version or the paid version from the Google play store. And the difference between the two is that the play ver- the free version on the play store only allows you 10 map or 
they're not all maps, the 10 content downloads. And um, the paid version gives you unlimited content downloads. So the free one's great as a trial, but you'll run out of those downloads pretty quick because you need the, the world base map is one. It won't work without it. Uh, if you're living in the United States, your state counts as a download and any other state in this in the United States counts as a download. Um, voices count as downloads. The Wikipedia point of interest file, it counts as a download. And then when the maps are updated, every update counts as a download. So you run out, even if you just download the base map and your one state and no voices, no Wikipedia points of interest, anything like that, you're going to run out of downloads in less than a year. Um, and, and then for other countries, you know, sometimes it's the whole country. So that's, you know, exactly what you'll run into. So I, I paid for it and I was happy to do so. The, the program's fantastic. I'm happy to, to pay good money for good free software. I'll point out here that I have had and still do have um, Garmin devices. And I, well, I have two actually. I have one that's a device that you use in the windshield of your car, which is a car GPS that plugs into the cigarette lighter for power. And then also I have a handheld Garmin. I think it's called a 60CX, which is really a good unit. But the maps alone for these devices are about $100 or more. And so the um, license when you support Osmond is, and I'm looking right at a website now that says it's 5 Point nine nine British pounds, or about eight dollars US. So it's really a value. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will point out with Osmond is is while it does take OpenStreetMap data, um, it does not take the maps that. Well, it doesn't take the like the JPEGs or or, or um, you know BMPs or whatever they are that you view when you go to the website. It instead downloads all the data takes a snapshot of all the current data and it makes vector based maps and that takes a, a hefty server quite some time to do it and so you don't get up to the minute maps with osmond um it's just the nature of the beast it's it's it you, you can count it as a as a downside if you want to or just as a a side effect of having vector based maps which take up much 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 less room on your uh, storage of your device at the moment they seem to be updating them about every 10 days that process has sped up it used to be slower um but they they seem to keep updating it uh, or uh, upgrading it and get getting the maps out quicker so if i have to go somewhere and the address isn't on the map um i try to edit the map far enough out so that my edits will show up on my device uh, by the time I head out there next. If not, what you can do is is within Osmond itself, you can mark a point and make it a favorite uh, and, and just have it navigate you there instead. But until, for the most part, on OpenStreetMap at this time, there's not a whole lot of like building numbers and street numbers in there. So f looking up a place by its name or its street number isn't always possible right now. Um, looking things up by crossroads is um, a lot more reliable, I would say. Do you happen to know or can you explain the difference between a vector map and a bitmap image map? Um, not the technical difference. A bitmap is basically just literally what it sounds like. It's It's a map of pixels, a map of bits on the screen, and a value for the color 
for each of those pixels, for each of those bits. Um, so if you have a, a 10 by 10 display, you've got 100 pixels and, you know, 8 or 16 or whatever the color depth is, you have that many bits of data for each of those 100 pixels. Um, now, if you wanted to do that with a map, you have to do that for the entire area that you intend to view the map on, and you have to do it at every zoom level. So, uh, and, and the closer you zoom in, of course, the more pixels there are that have to be covered by that bitmap. So it's a, um, it's, it's a, it's an exponential problem as you zoom in, whereas a vector based map, you, you're, you've got a, a bunch of points and their coordinates on some grid. Um, and as you zoom in, they're, you know, they appear to get further apart, but that grid stays the same as you zoom in. So you only have one set of points, and then the display has to kind of render them on the fly, I, I believe is how that works. But since there's only the one set, and since it just happens to know what it's looking at all the time, the storage space required for a vector-based map is is much, much smaller than for a bitmap. So in reality, the vector-based map then is has a distinct advantage in that sense that it is small in storage space, so you don't have to worry about that limitation on your device. For the most part, I don't, I don't think you'd have to worry about that too, too much. I still don't download a whole lot of states that I'm not going to use, it, number one, it is wasted space. They're not they're not insignificantly small. I mean, like my state of New Hampshire is, is pretty small. I think it was fifteen, excuse me, fifteen or twenty megabytes. Uh, whereas Massachusetts, which isn't, I mean, it's comparable in size, but there's a heck of a lot more data there or detail there um, because there's so many more buildings and so many more people working on the map, and so much more data was initially uploaded uh, from the state, I believe. That that's a 115 megabytes, so it's significantly larger. So I don't download a whole lot that I'm not using for the storage space, but also because every month when they update, I'm just wasting somebody's bandwidth if I update those every month and I'm not using them. So I, I don't do that on mine. But um, Osmond does let you select the directory that you're storing them to. So if space does become an issue for you, you can just map it to your um, like your micro SD card. Yeah, that makes it nice. Then you can just take them in and out as you need them. Yeah, you can delete them and, you know, put them back in. You can do that as well. But um, or you mean taking out the micro SD card? Well, you could do that or you could move them to a different folder and then, you know, paste them back in, I suppose, when you needed them. Yeah, nowadays I just, you know, try to buy a big enough micro SD card so I don't have to worry about it anymore. Exactly. I, I find that 16 gigabytes is plenty for my phone. It, it's got plenty of room for, for everything I need. And those are, I think you can get a 16 gigabyte card for about $8 nowadays. So I'm not too worried about that. Yeah. So I want to um, talk a little bit about the, uh, I have an Android phone as a device that I've been using this on just for a few days now and then also I have a 7 inch Samsung um, Tab 2 and so those are the devices that I'm that I've downloaded this on and I want to say I'm really a hundred percent pleased with its performance in fact it has just really um, thrilled me to be able to get this and one of the real important reasons for me to even start looking at something like this is 
because while I use have used Google for as a GPS, their mapping system and GPS system in there, I'm getting a little tired of having my movements logged. And so this, I think, is a way that I can avoid that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, if you have it set up right, because um, it will, by default, track you, um, though it's not uploading that to anybody. Yeah, and that's, yeah, I, I saw that in there, that option. So you can get it to where it saves a track as a GPX, or you can have it so that it doesn't. So, But I think that's an important thing, because in the future, you never know when someone might come back and say, hey, I noticed you were over here at a certain time. And while you can think that that might not ever be a problem, why have that information out there for people just to um, grab and look at whenever they want? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll I'll throw in here, um, David just mentioned GPX. That's a .gpx file. It's uh, a somewhat standardized way. I don't. It doesn't seem completely standardized to me, but it's a somewhat standardized way of placing uh, arbitrary points on a map and potentially labeling them. It's what it's the file output that you usually get if you take a trace of where you've been and take notes along the way. But it can also be um, other things like favorites or points of interest are usually exported to a GPX file, .gpx file as well. Yeah, and I wasn't really, um, I'm not up as much as you are, of course, on you know, the technical aspects of this, but I have um, saved things in a GPX file before and looked at them, and I know it's they're pretty easy. You can actually pretty much read them just by taking them into a text editor and looking at them. Oh, neat. I didn't know that. I've never tried that. Is it like a um, comma-separated values, or is line-by-line, line maybe? It's it's kind of like um, that XML that comes out when you do a MyTracks with a Google, and so it actually gives the location. Okay, neat. I was I was not aware of that. Um, yeah, if, if someone's going to get new into Osmond, um, this thing has a lot of features, and it's got multiple screens with lots of features on each one. So it can be a little confusing, all the, the features and all the word spaghetti that can be on the screen at, at some times with this thing. So, um, you know, at some point, I was hoping we could go over just some settings and maybe make the thing a little more usable uh, for, for a person who's, who's new to it, if, if you want to get to that at some point, too. Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about the um, screen and how to set it up. And I think we've kind of covered how to download it by going to the F-Droid Market or the Google Play Store for an Android device. And it is available for sure in the Google Play Store because that's where I got it from. And I did not notice in there a place where you could pay for it. There's a free version there, but there is um, information from the OpenStreetMap wiki and it tells you how to um, get it and pay for it to get the full version. Yeah, the paid version is called Osmond Plus, and I don't remember what the free version it might be. Osmond Free, I'm not sure. It is Osmond Free. Yeah, so when you first start up Osmond, um, you get sort of a welcome screen. It's got a little information bar up top, tells you the version number, has a, a, a button for help and a button for close, and then you get four... Uh, tabs that come in around the screen, like quadrants almost. Um, the upper left is map, the upper right is search, the lower left is favorites, and the lower right is settings. And if you've never used Osmond before, you the first thing you are probably going to want to do is go into the settings tab. 
um, and the very top selection there is data management so if you hit data management um, it will say click here to download or update offline data and that's the first thing that you want to do you want to hit that button um, let it check for all the maps and then it will give you a selection of all the things that you are able to download it takes a few minutes it's like checking a repo um, or maybe not a few minutes a few seconds okay mine just did it while I was talking you slide your keyboard out of the way. Um, and for some weird reason on mine, I don't know if yours is like this, David, but mine always expands a couple of the menus uh, in here, and they're never the ones I want expanded. It always expands like worldwide and topic maps, and it always expands uh, Oceana, which I, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it wants me to, to download Peter's house, Peter 64's house, I guess. Yeah, I have noticed that also, even though right now I've opened up Osmond in the um, Galaxy Tab 7 that I have, and it didn't do it this time. So yeah, the first thing, once you get that open, is is to expand the Worldwide and Topics map, um, and you want to download the World Base map. It needs that to operate, so that's your first download. The next one you can tick off. I do the World Altitude Correction. I'm not sure exactly what it does, but it seems to be important, so I do that. It obviously corrects for altitude, but I, I don't know what um, you know how, how much accuracy or, or it adds or inaccuracy would be there if you didn't, but I've got that selected, and that's I've never seen it update. The next uh, menu down that can be expanded, or the next two actually, are voice packs. So you can do recorded voices uh, for guidance, or you can do a text-to-speech synthesized voice um, and of course the recorded one is is more natural and easy to understand and the synthesized one has the advantage of being able to read out street names whereas the recorded one obviously cannot yeah and i i found sometimes a synthesized voice is a little hard to understand but you just have to kind of get in the flow of it it's like um dealing with someone with an accent let's say united states from the south or even someone that is from a foreign country. You just kind of got to lay back and get in the flow with them, and it's really good. To, um, you can get along with it pretty easily after that. Yeah, I agree. I typically use the uh, synthesized voices as well. Um, the next thing down is the worldwide Wikipedia POIs or points of interest. Um, the English Wikipedia, uh, at least, that's a very large file uh, compared to the rest of the things you might download here. That's an at the moment, it's 313 megabytes. Um, and I want to make a quick note here as well. When you see, uh, once you've downloaded something or, or a file and you check against it to see if there's a newer version, um, it's white if you have not downloaded it, it's green if you have and it's current, and it's blue if there's an update available. And I think that whether or not there's an update available, I think it must check it against like a timestamp uh, because sometimes it gets it wrong as opposed to a version number because sometimes it gets it wrong. I'm looking at my English wiki edition and it says there's a new one available um, from uh, 2012, 11, 22, whereas the one that I have is 2012, 11, 21. And I think that that's simply a, uh, a, a time zone difference because I can download that again and it's it will say the same thing again. It'll say 2012, 11, 21. So if you look at one that's blue and you're going to update it, but it's only a day off, don't even bother updating it. That's Again, I, th I think it's just a time zone difference and it's an error that it's showing up as blue. If you open the worldwide Wikipedia POIs and scroll down to the English one, right? 
Well, I'm seeing world ski map. I see that altitude correction. Oh, no, it's in a, um, you're in a different expanded, uh, what do they call them, topics maybe. Um, so squish that one back up and scroll down below where the voice packs are, and it should say worldwide Wikipedia POIs, just, just above Europe and just below the voice packs. So scroll down to any one that you've already downloaded, whether it's green or blue. And if you look in the description of what you have, it will say, like, for instance, if I go U.S. Maine, North America, edition 2014-02-22. And that's what I have on my device. And then on the right-hand column, it says 2014-02-22-30.8 megabytes. That's telling you what the current available version is. Every once in a while, you'll see where what you have, the version that you have installed, and the version that is available is only one day off. And no matter how many times you update that, it's still going to show up. It's still going to tell you that you can update it, but it, it's not. It's just an error in the, the date code, I think, or, or time zone or something. Um, yeah, if they're like 10 days off, go ahead and upload it because then it takes that long to update the maps anyway. But so, yeah, as you're opening your new device and you're setting it up now, you know, go down through the regions that you're interested in having, um, you know, for me, it's North America. I'll open North America and download, you know, my state and the three or four surrounding states that I that I might visit. You know, if you're from Texas and you're in the middle of it, that might be all you need. <laughs> you know, um, once you download those, then you're ready to use, you know, the, the features of the device in earnest. Okay, so we've got the maps, the map downloaded or worldwide base map and a map of the area we're interested in. So. What would you say is the next thing someone would like to do or should do? Um, I always like to go through the settings of a piece of software or a device that I buy. So I would suggest backing up to the the main men, the main uh, settings menu. Um, and it's it's a settings as a title. Uh, data management we've already been as the first one. The next one is general. Um, I like to go in general and, and poke around in there and just see what the features are and kind of guess at the way that I might like it to uh, to operate. Okay, so I see here and um, we see the default profile is to browse map and my use of this program, notice that it has a world globe when you get to the map and then it also has a car, a bicycle, and a walking person. So the default profile is the browse map. So some of the features then are... Or the features are enabled for the mode that you have, or the default profile. Is that right? Um, not, not exactly. Uh, here in this menu, where where you select your default profile, that will just tell you what profile or what mode it's going to be in when you first open the program. Uh, there is another place we'll we'll get to that later where you set up your your preferences for each of those profiles. But for now, that's just asking what you want it to open as. And I, I have mine set to um, open as browse map as well, um, just because usually that's what I'm doing when I open it is browsing the map. If, if I want navigation, it easily switches to that mode. I mean, without even really you having to do anything, it, it does that. Okay, and I'm seeing next, I see map orientation, Settings for the screen orientation, a display language, a settings for use English names and maps, a driving region, which I have set for the United States, a unit of measure, so if you want to use the kilometers, the metric system, or an English 
um, measure. That's where you can set that. An app theme, and I'll stop there and let you comment. Yep. So map orientation, you get three choices. You get don't rotate, meaning that north is always at the top of the map. Um, you can set it to the direction of movement so that you're, as you're driving or as you're walking, the map will rotate so that forward is at the top of the map, the, the direction you're moving. Or you can do to compass, which north, um, sorry, no, north won't be up. Uh, I'm not even sure what that would do. I don't think I don't have a compass in my device, so I don't know exactly how that would work. I'm sorry. I, uh, yeah, maybe that's one to experiment with a bit. But it's, yeah, it's my phone doesn't have a compass. There. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. North is up. I don't. I don't like when the map rotates and shows me where forward is. I I can figure that out by my direction of movement. Um, the next one down is screen orientation. You could do. You have three settings. There, you have portrait, landscape, or same as device. Um, and portrait, obviously, it's in portrait. Landscape's obviously landscape. And same as device means if you tip your phone sideways, it's going to go into landscape. And if you tip it back upright, it's going to go into portrait. Um, it's it's fine. I I leave it same as device um, most of the time because I usually use it when I'm walking around. Um, but if I'm using it in a car or something. Uh, same as device doesn't work for me because if I set the, I don't have a holder for my phone. If I set the phone down, it could flip upside down on me or, or some such thing. And that's always a little frustrating. So I usually try to lock that back into place if I remember it. Um, display language is pretty self-explanatory. English names is self-explanatory. Driving range units of measures. That's, those are all self-explanatory. App theme. I think there's just dark light and a light with a dark action bar. You can play with that and see what you like the most. Um, safe mode, you can put it in. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever enabled that. I've never had a problem with the way it operates, but apparently if you have trouble with it, you can try safe mode, and um, it runs slower but more stable. And the next one is the storage directory, and that's where you can tell it where you want it to store your maps. And... Like I said before, I like to put them on my um, my micro SD card just because there's much more room on that than there is built in. Yes, and this is one you really do want to set up so that I um, got mine on the device storage and it, I had to go back in and rework that. Yeah, and this is where, um, <clears throat> excuse me, this is where being a Linux user helps because if you, you know, it, it, it says um, slash mount slash slash SD card or other. And if you hit other, you can type in where you want it to go, but it's not like a, a folder menu that you browse to and, and get it there. You've got to type in the, uh, the directories with the slashes. So for Linux user, that's going to be real natural um, and easy to do for a windows user. You, you might have to take a few minutes to figure that out because it's just not the way you're used to doing stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, that's a good point. And the, um, a lot of the features here and the way the software is set up is certainly has the flavor and feel of an open source project where people have worked on and use other open source software. So the, the thing is, the design is has just has that feel. Yeah, it definitely does. It's a very organic design where features change as people notice them as well or notice the lack of them. Um, below storage directory, there's use Kalman filter. I have no idea what that is. Uh, I think that that's, it may be, and I, I could be wrong about this. I think that that's the correction 
that you use because a, a compass doesn't point up obviously because a globe is round not a flat piece of paper so as you as you take that round globe and flatten it out and, and represent it as a flat map the compass no longer points to the top of that map so there's a correction there uh, depending on where you are and how far away from I think it's international dateline but it might be I don't know. There's a correction, and I think it, that's what that is, but I could be completely wrong about that. And interesting that there is a checkbox for this to either turn it on or turn it off, so it must have some definite changes if you use or do not use it. So I'm experimenting with it to figure that out. How you like it might be important. Yeah, and then the last thing below that is um, voice guidance output, and that just lets you choose the channel that the voice guidance comes out on, whether it's your your music or media channel or your notification channel or your voice call audio. And I think probably all that that is going to matter is um, the priority, you know, whether it's going to mute the audio that you're already listening to to hear this or whether you're, you know, not going to hear it because you're on the phone or whatever. I'm, I think that's all that has to do with be it the navigation screen. Yes, and this is where your specific um, options come in. So when you hit navigation, it's it gives you a little pop-up that says profile specific settings. And then it's got car, bike, and walking. Now, whichever one of these you select, all of the settings you do until you hit the back arrow are going to be for that profile. So you basically have to go through this three times you do once for the car once for the bike and once for walking and and it'll that's how you set the different behavior modes okay so i've selected the car um setting push the little car icon button and it has things in here like um choose an online or offline navigation service osman goes for the choose for the fastest route, enable to calculate the fastest route, or disable for the shortest route. Yep, that's uh, navigation service. It gives you a couple of choices. Um, Osmond is the only offline choice. The other ones are online. They might be more accurate. I'm not sure. I haven't bothered trying to use them. Um, fastest route, if you check that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take you the... the route from point A to point B in the shortest amount of time. If you uncheck it, it'll take you the shortest amount of distance, which could be a longer trip time-wise. That's all that is. Interesting. You really want to make sure that when you do routing with a GPS device that you kind of get an idea of where you're going because there was a story here in Southern Oregon where some people went from the coast and were heading across to connect up with Interstate 5, and there's a small mountain range there. They got off track by following a GPS device, and it started snow started getting deep, and they finally got stuck. And I think one of them died in the thing. People they looked and looked and looked for them. So um, you do want to realize that when you use a GPS device, you have to use some common sense with it too. It's not perfect. Yeah, and that's an extreme case. I mean, you hear minor cases all the time. There was a, a story in the papers um, early uh, last week, this week, last week. Um, a fellow from out of state was driving in Massachusetts and following his GPS and it told him to turn left and apparently he, or right, whatever, told him to turn and he missed the specific turn and took the next one and he happened to turn onto railroad tracks and drove down the railroad tracks 
until a train hit his car. So I don't know how he didn't know he was on railroad tracks. It's going to be the bumpiest road ever. And fortunately for him, he saw the train and got out of the car, and he was not harmed. But, um, yeah, stuff like that can happen all the time. My wife's brother hopped in somebody else's car, a family member's car, and went where he needed to go and didn't know how to get home, and he just told the thing, home, take me home. Well, it wasn't set for the family's home. It was set for somebody else's home, and they drove uh, a couple hours in the wrong direction. <laughs> wow. I was going to say, and I'll probably cut this out, but that wasn't Jonathan Nadu with the um, railroad track thing, was it? No, no. It was him with the, the pushing the home button, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. As far as the fastest route goes for myself, when I'm in the car, um, you know, time is, is usually more valuable than distance. So for the car mode, I'll tell it fastest route. For walking and bicycling modes, I want the shortest distance. I don't want to have to go, you know, walk an extra half mile just because my navigation device thinks it's faster. I want the shortest route. Next on the list is auto center map view and then time until the map view synchronizes with the current position, which is if I'm driving in that, I, I kind of want that to happen at a certain instance so that I can see where I'm going and what's coming up. Yeah. And that's a neat one when I think about it because, um, so for the car, I set that for 15 seconds for when I'm walking, I don't even know what I have it set for. I don't really care. But on a bicycle, I want that real fast because if I have to glance down on a bicycle, I want to be able to just take a quick snapshot and look back at where I'm going. That's, that's, uh, I think you want that shortest one on a bicycle. I do anyway. Yeah, I agree with you there. And then I typically try to stay off the roads as much as I can with a bike and ride in the woods. But um, so I don't know that I'd need actual directions. Though sometimes it's handy if you're trying to get on a trail that you don't know where you're at. And but yeah, I'd say set that up, find out what works for you, and set that correctly. There's lots and lots of choices there. Yeah, and the next one down, you've got auto zoom map, um, and I think that's going to depend more on the size of your device. So my phone, it's it's in like the three and a half inch class of phones and I have it set to close up. I, if any further than that and um, if I get into a busy area, uh, visually busy, where there's a lot of stuff displaying on the map, um, anything, anything further out than close up, I can't make heads or tails of it. And the auto zoom feature, it works according it says to your speed. So as you slow down in that, the zoom will um, be enabled. Is that right? Yeah, I believe it is. I'm, I haven't paid super close attention to it while I'm driving, um, mostly because I don't have a mount for my phone, so I tend to use my TomTom Tom device that has the, the windshield suction cup. If, if I had a mount for my phone, I'm pretty sure I, I would uh, almost completely stop using the TomTom Tom and be able to answer your question. And just as we're talking about this, I mean, I'm looking at all these features that we haven't even went through all of them yet and haven't talked about, you know, we've talked about a percentage of them. And when you when you look at these features, you realize just how much work has went into this navigation program here. And then to think that this is a free software program, I'm just, I just really get feeling good about this. And there are some people, if they owned this, would charge quite a bit for it and tell you how important these features are. Oh my gosh, and these features are just in the menus. Wait till we get to the main screen. 
where I mean you can you can uh, customize that main screen to display or not display or display only in a pull down when you select it so many different things uh, you can cover your screen and not be able to see the map if you if you enable everything um, but yeah there this like I said this is a feature full uh, piece of software and if and if this if there's not enough uh, features for you here, and not enough menu options. There's plugins. There's like a dozen plugins that all yeah. have their own feature set. Yeah, I know. This is just amazing to me. I mean, I haven't. I use the OSM tracker, the one there, a little bit to try to um, do some stuff to contribute to OpenStreetMap. But when I found this, I mean, I'm just thrilled with it. And the next item here is show alarms and is. For to configure traffic warnings, speed limits, force stops, speed bumps, speed camera warnings, and lane information. And this is really a big one. I mean, if you know you're coming up on that speed camera, maybe you want to go the other way or around that um, stoplight camera. Yep. So, yeah, exactly. And then if I'm hiking, the last thing I want is some alarm going, hey, there's a speed bump coming up or a speed camera. I, You know, I want the thing to be quiet. So this is where you're kind of individualizing it for the for the use case that you're going to have exactly and if you're hiking fast enough to have to worry about a speed bump well you're pretty good yeah for real um and then there's you know you can avoid things like toll roads uh unpaved roads ferries um motorways which is weird because why would you want to avoid a motorway well if you're on foot a lot of times it's not legal to walk on them so you you might not have that box checked under the car option but you would under the bicycle and hiking option or walking option or you might have your bicycle can set, uh, bicycle settings set up as a motorcycle who knows um, most of the rest of these are pretty self-explanatory except for the very bottom one uh, precise routing which is an alpha feature um, if you enable precise routing you will get better routing but it only works for short distances. And I forget what they said the distances are. Um, whether I thought the guy said it was 200 kilometers, but he might have said only 20 kilometers. I really forget. Um, if you turn that off, you get less accurate routing, but it's you know almost sure to work. You might have to give it some time to work. But I so the workaround for this, I believe, is to enable the precise routing. But then when you select your destination and tell it to plan it out, you can, there's a checkbox there for selecting uh, a possible non-optimized route, which I think is the workaround for that. And that's the way I have mine set up is, is checkbox for precise routing and checkbox for possible non-optimized route for long distances. Okay. So, and that's an interesting feature. And I was um, playing a little bit with that and it was a little bit confusing for me. So I'm glad you explained that. I'd like to jump back up here, though. After show alarms, there is an announce um, configuration where you can have the um, voice announce when you are violating the speed limit and where there's camera warnings and announce street names and that, which is really, really handy. Oh, yeah, that's right. So I'm going to hit the back button. We're going to show up in the plugin tab then, correct? Yeah. Okay, so the plugin tab. Um, this is where I had some stuff uh, enabled that, that David didn't, so I think, I think I did. Um, but there's some different plugins here. 
Um, one of them, the top one on my menu anyway, is online maps. And, you know, the first thing you think, why would you want online maps if this the whole advantage of this thing is that it uses offline maps? Uh, well, because some of the online maps uh, are satellite images, so you can get um, Bing satellite image on there, which makes it kind of feel more like Google Maps if you're used to looking at stuff with trees and houses in the background. Um, but also, if you, you know, you're navigating downtown in a city and you've got good cell connection the whole time, why not use the online maps? They're going to be up to the minute. Um, so that's something that I enable on mine. Okay, I have that enabled also. And as you check these things, it's a little, little small explanation of what they're all about. And it said, um, this is for show settings to configure a variety of online or cache tile maps as base map or overlay underlay maps. These maps can also be prepared offline and copied to the Osmond folder. So there's pretty much a lot of power. There. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that with everything in the plug-in menu, selecting the box really only gives you more menu options. It doesn't you know, change too much about the way the device operates until you find those menu options too. So most of them are pretty safe to check. And then the next one is logging services and sleep mode. Yep, and this is what you said you were interested in, um, where you can you can track where you're going, and the device can go to sleep in your pocket and save battery life and save the you know the power it's using from the screen, and it will still track uh, and record your trips and, and and look at where you're going. Um, this one I do not have checked off because I use a, a different piece of software for it, but this you might be interested in, David. If I had this unchecked, then would that um, keep Osman from tracking me with a GPX file by downloading that to my device. I believe that is correct. Okay, so going stealth, this is the one you might want to keep unchecked. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, the next one down is accessibility, and it just says show settings for special accessibility features. I have not messed around with accessibility. Um, I probably should have, and Jonathan's probably going to browbeat me for it when I uh, see him at Nelf, but um, I haven't messed with it. I don't know what those settings are. Yeah, and a lot of times a sighted person, the accessibility features um, kind of get in the way because they're not really, they're kind of add more noise to your situation, so you might not want to have that checked if you don't have a limitation that you need accessibility features for. Though sometimes it's really nice to enable accessibility features to see what's going on with them and it can actually give you more information. Yeah, that's true. That, that's a good way of putting it too, that it can enable more noise. So more often than not, I, I disable accessibility features on my systems. Um, next one below that is the parking position plugin, which I am not sure that may be a separate download. I think it used to be. Um, do you have that on your menu? No, I believe that is a separate download because mine doesn't have that in it. And I saw that in the Play Store that you can download that. And I didn't download it, so I'm not seeing it at all. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. It's basically you you stop driving, you get out of your car, and you're going to go into the mall or someplace like that where there's a big parking lot. And it basically just lets you mark your spot and will guide you back to that spot. Um, there's other built-in ways of doing that, so I don't think I've ever used it 
maybe once just to see what it was about. But you can you can do it with a favorite as well. It's just a favorite you'd want to delete when you're done. And, and it's a bigger list to search through as opposed to here it is and there it is and now it's gone, which is, I think, how it works. There are some that need this. Oh, for sure. There are definitely people who are going to benefit from a parking position plugin. I mean, how many times do you, you see people walking out of the mall, you know, at a good clip, and as soon as the door shuts behind them, they stop and they look left and they look right and they look lost. I try to avoid the mall, but I've seen that happen. I know, know of people that are going around pushing the um unlock button to try to hear the horn go off on their car <laughs> yes or the the trunk button it's try to hope they find the car that the trunk pops open on i've seen that too exactly so but um my goal is to stay away from the mall and yeah mine too but that's where you see that exactly <laughs> okay so next is a distance calculator and planning tool um that one is kind of neat i don't understand it fully I'm afraid to mess with it too much um, but if you enable it it the the thing that I've been able to do with it um, it lets you measure distance between two or more points on the map you you um, you start it off in a spot you touch another spot and it tells you okay that's a hundred yards and you hit another spot and now it gives you an, another like a running total as you tap spots throughout the map uh there's no undo on that if i recall so you kind of have to get it right or or get it close uh and not be too picky about it but there's other there's other features of that where it says you know that it's editing stuff so i don't know if that attempts to log you into osm and i've been a little afraid to do that so i haven't explored that one too much i just i used the distance um calculator on it but Occasionally, though. Yes, when I see a feature like this, I realize that there is, it's probably got a pretty neat um, use case and probably more than one. And you can probably dream up things on your own once you're used to it, how to use it. So when I see something like this, I realize that there is some geek has been involved in this or had a, had a need and put this in there. I can think of one thing where you might use this measuring is to be able, if you say we're going to a piece of property and you knew that the survey stake was, say, six or 800 feet from where you were at in a certain direction, you knew about where it was at, you could you could measure with that map thing or the, using that measuring tool might be able to help find that. Yeah, for sure. That would that would definitely work. Um, as I said in, in the previous show that I did on this, what I use it for is, you know, I'll find uh, where I plan on hunting if I plan on going to a specific you know, uh, ground blind or tree stand or, or spot like that. Um, I'll find that spot and then just measure to the nearest house and make sure that there's, you know, a legal amount of distance between me and that house to, to shoot a gun or measure the thickness of the woods, you know, so you get a feel for whether it's safe or not. Um, you really, a topographical map is, is much better for judging safety, but, um, and being there, of course, but it's, it's a way to use it, and it is a way that I do use it. Yeah, I, around here I don't think people measure off-road before they fire their guns. You can hear them going off all the time. <laughs> okay, next we have um, audio, vis- audio video notes. Take a audio video note during the trip. And I actually used this the other day as I pulled into my driveway. I turned the video on, and it 
it took my phone and recorded a video of me driving down the driveway toward the house. And I don't know exactly where that goes, but it looked pretty damn neat. And it puts a little um, tick on the map there that that note is there. Okay, neat. Yeah, I'm sure it only goes to your the directory that you have everything stored to, um, you know, so your SD card perhaps. But um, yeah, that's kind of neat. I I haven't enabled that one, uh, so you're you're the expert on that one there. Well, I'm wondering if you could take this and um, put this up somehow in OpenStreetMap to where it would be valuable to somebody else or to yourself later on. Yeah, I'm not sure with the. Um, with the other tracking software that I use, uh, OSM Tracker, you can take audio notes, you can take photographs, um, but I haven't seen a way to display them on OpenStreetMap, so I'm not sure what their purpose is. That's uh, if, if anybody knows, I'd you know, be more than happy to hear from you, because uh, I just don't know what, what the advantage of those are. Okay, and the next one is really a big one, I think, OSM Editing, show settings needed for OSM feedback, like collecting, modifying OSM or OpenStreetMaps, points of interest objects, opening, commenting OSM bugs, and contributing recorded GPX files. And it says requires OSM credentials, which I'm assuming is just making an account on OpenStreetMap, which is free, of course. Yeah, and that's another one that kind of scares me. I like to do my editing with a mouse in the... You know the uh, the editor that I'm familiar with, or this may just upload traces. I don't know. I'm again, I'm a, a little afraid to to explore with that one and and you know cause damage to the map that someone would have to undo because I don't know how to undo edits from OpenStreetMap. Yeah, it would be interesting to explore this a little bit more and get some information on it because you can um, wreck contributions others have made that are worthwhile to OpenStreetMap. So that's really important. And But my experience is that you almost need to um, do work in the editor in order to get things saved up there. But it is easy to wreck something. Yeah, I, and I have. I have. It's not super easy to wreck something, but, you know, start small, work your way up. <laughs> Don't try to edit waterways. <laughs> That'll screw you up real bad. Something that's got, you know, 15, it's got more than the uh, the maximum allowed number of points. You don't go try and editing that or, or uh, deleting that on your first go. That, that's a good point. And I um, get a um, newbies list off OpenStreetMap. It comes into a Yahoo email address that I have. And I noticed there was quite a bit of complaints on there about newbies getting onto the map and creating damage on it and making, you know, reversing other people's work and they'd have to go back in and fix it so if you are interested in OpenStreetMap, just keep that in mind that it is a valuable resource people have put time in on it and we want to do our best effort there yeah for sure uh and the last one down the bottom is osmond development so show set settings for development and debugging features like root simulation or rendering performance display I do not have that one checked, but I am subscribed to the Osmond mailing list, so I try to, you know, help out with with bugs that way <laughs> instead of doing the development right on the phone. Yeah, good point. And I hardly know what debugging is, Pokey, so you have to understand my skill level here. So um, that might be something I would need to learn some things about. I'm assuming it's basically just, um, you know, like your frame rate or maybe where in memory it's being stored. It really could be anything the developer wants to know, I believe. But uh, 
Yeah, I don't think it's it's nothing I mess with either. So I, you know, I just leave that one off. Okay, online maps. Did we talk about that already? Uh, no, I don't think we did. So that's if we hit the back arrow and go back to the um, to the settings menu, then the next one down is online maps. And there is a whole bunch of um, options in here, things to check and to choose. So I don't know if we want to go through each one of those or just point out that um, this is there and for, um, you know, when you, if you're interested in getting this program, you understand this is going to be an option that's available and there's lots of, lots of choices here. Okay, so the way that I treat this one, and I'll, I'll just run right through this real quick. Um, online and tile maps, I do not check the box here because you can do this from within the, the viewing screen of the map itself if you set that up properly. And this will turn it on and leave it on, and I don't think you can turn it back off. Or the one from the main screen turns this on and off as you're using it. I'm not sure, but this one is not checked for me. Uh, tile map source, I use, I have that set to map, Nick, um, which is the OpenStreetMap uh Something to do with displaying. I'm not entirely certain, but it is Mapnik is OpenStreetMap. Same same thing. Um, I do have Use Internet checked so that it can um, download stuff. Uh, minimum vector zoom level. I don't know if the lower number means more zoomed in or more zoomed out, so I don't touch that one because <laughs> just because I don't know what it means. Um, let me see. Overlay map. And underlay map at the moment, I have none selected, so I'm not worried about that. Overlay transparency is zero, so I'm not, not time to worry about that. And base map transparency is from zero to 255, and mine is at 202. It could probably go up to, I could probably put it at 205 and not, not worry about it either. Um, so that's that for the online maps. Okay, the next category is logging services and sleep mode. Configure how to record trips and enable sleep mode. And that's something that you have enabled and I do not. That's okay. one of your plugins. Yeah, and um, so it has log track to GPX file is available, and you can put a check mark in there. has a logging interval. Then there's a place in the middle for profile-specific settings for this. If you pick the car, it's going to... Um, give you logging interval, save current GPX track, log track to GPX file. There's just a bunch of choices here. Online tracking, you know, there we go. Send tracking to a specific web service or online tracking interval. Specify online, the interval you want for online tracking. I saw a neat application of that several years ago at, at a lug meeting where a guy had a, a small GPS uh, device um, constantly uploading its position to a server and uh, he, he would take that in his plane with him and fly across country and you could just always see where the guy's plane was at or his motorcycle if he was uh, adventuring uh, on his motorcycle. It was really cool. It was a neat application. Um, I don't think I want my phone doing that. No, staying gray probably is more of an interest to me than having people know where I'm at putting a bright light on me. Right on. So now, the, these same options seem to be available for the bicycle also. Okay, like cool. Yeah, and that's my last menu option under settings here. There's, yeah, an, I, there's an about, which, you know, just gives you about information, same as any would be. So um, do you have any other menu options there? Well, I'm seeing logging services in sleep mode, then some more about accessibility, audio and video settings, OSM editing. Do we already go through this in OSM development? 
Well, these are plugins that you have enabled that I don't have enabled, so I don't have the menu options for them. Yeah, many times I'll just enable everything and then um, just weed the nuisance items out later yeah. on. And sometimes that causes problems, and then sometimes it's nice. Well, it does. I think it does with a thing like this because there's so many options. Sometimes you can't find the nuisance item. It it becomes a needle in a haystack. Yeah, that's um that's good. At, the good and bad of having a program that's um, full featured is that there is lots there, but then also you have a somewhat of a learning curve. But I will say, when you do get something learned, it's really worthwhile. You can become a um, or get really good power use out of it. Oh, yeah, I can agree with that 100%, especially something like this that's just got menu after menu of, of features in there. Okay, then are we going to jump back then to the main screen, the, the four big tiles on it? Yeah, yeah, why don't we do that? Um, and from the main screen, um, just hit map. Let's get into the map. Uh, time to look at that, I think. Okay, so I've hit map, and of course, I live in Oregon, so I have the Oregon map showing up. Yeah, now here is where... It's going to look different um, depending on what you're doing with the thing. There's several different ways it's going to look different. The first one is that in the bottom left-hand corner, uh, whatever your default setting, that should be what came up. So mine, there's a little picture of a globe, at, meaning that I'm in the map browsing mode for this. It's not going to be in the uh, – but you can change it by hitting that picture. You can change it to the car mode, bicycle, pedestrian mode. Um, right below it is a little gray button. That's a menu button. That's not to change the mode that it's in. So there's actually two buttons there. Right. And just to the right of that, my map is showing a scale, which mine is set now at 200 feet, and then a zoom in and zoom out, or it's actually zoom out and zoom in, a little magnifying glass with the plus and minus in it. Yep. I've got that as well. Uh, next, on the top bar... Um, mine's got a transparent bar with some buttons on it. And on my phone, they're really small buttons. But one that you want to hit now that I would suggest we all go through now is the one that looks like a gear, and that's the settings for your screen here. Right, and once you hit that, you get a, I mean, it looks like a Chinese food menu here. There's so many options. Yeah, really, and there's four tabs. You've got tab for map browsing, car, bicycle, and pedestrian, and you can set each of these um, to be what you want. So I can run through these pretty quickly. Uh, the first one is compass. Okay, so the first thing is all these you'll notice have check boxes. Um, if there is no check in the box, obviously that item is not displayed. If there is a check in the box, it will be displayed. And for some of them, there's a third function. What does it look like? Uh, there'll be a check in the box, but in the description, there'll be hyphens before and after the, the word. And what that means is that it's in a hideable pull-down menu. So keep that in mind that some of the things you might want sometimes, you might not always want, um, you can pull down and inspect those. And then, uh, like, so for instance, when I'm driving, I try to use as few of these things as possible. But sometimes when I'm driving, I want to know uh, my altitude. So I have that in the pull-down menu. Or I want maybe to know um, the parking plug-in. You can put that in a pull-down menu. Uh, those are just some of the things that you can do there. So 
For mine, uh, the first section here is status bar. There's the compass. If you put the compass up there, you can tap the compass and change the mode so that it's either north is up or it's tracking compass direction or it's tracking your movement direction. Uh, the next one is the logging services button. Kind of opens an on-the-fly menu for those things. Uh, I have that disabled, so I can't really go into much more detail. There's a uh, lock screen button so that you're not accidentally hitting the thing and changing stuff. Uh, you can enable street names. or Oh, I'm sorry, the street name that you're on will show up in that top menu bar. Map layers is how you adjust the um, the online data. Your, your base map here is going to be in the center layer, and you can do an underlay and an overlay. Uh, I don't know why you would do both. I don't know why both exist. I think either or works just fine for me. But uh, then again, that's as, as powerful a power user as I can be at this point. Somebody else is going to be better. Um, there's the gear for the configure screen, which I like to have there so I can get at it. There is a where am I button, which anytime you hit that, it will center the map on your location. Uh, that's the status bar, or the top panel. There's a right-hand panel, which has got um, a, a waypoint flag. Uh, tells you the distance to your next waypoint and um, probably, no, it's not a turn, but do distance to your next waypoint. Destination is distance, maybe time, I forget which, and the waypoint too, distance or time. Um to your destination. It's got the parking plug-in uh, access to that. Time to go to your final destination um, is another one. Your current speed, you can enable, disable, or hide that. Uh, so, for instance, you probably want that in a car, but probably don't care about it for any of the other features except for maybe bicycle. Uh, GPS info will tell you like how many satellites you're, you're picking up on. Um, speed limit can be really handy if you want to know the speed limit where you're at and if someone has put that into OpenStreetMap for you or if you're able to put that in yourself that one can be um, tremendously helpful. You can get an altitude um, reading. You can get the distance measurement which is the plugin I was talking about. Um, I keep that in a pull down for all of these and I can just measure distance between two points on the map as opposed to having to guesstimate them. There's a left-hand panel that tells you your next turn, um, a smaller version of your next turn, and your second next turn, which means the one after your next turn. There are miscellaneous things. Uh, map style uh, is not a checkbox. You, you change the style of the map there. Day-night map, I believe that's just... Yep, you tell it whether you want day or night or whether you want it to... Um, be linked to your light sensor or to the sunrise sunset times. Uh, the ruler is the um, scale of the map on the bottom, I believe. Destination direction. That's a tricky one if you enable that. That one confused me for a little bit. It just points at your destination no matter how far off the map it is. If you have that enabled, um, that might throw you off a bit. You know, what the heck is that extra little blue thing? It's like ghosted on there. Um, I, I really like that because Do I can you? tell I can. Well, mine shows up as a red triangle if I'm. We're talking about the same thing. You probably and sometimes are. I'm in a location like from when I drive from work, it's an hour to my home, and it's unbelievable where you think mentally where your house is at and where your it really points to. And I think that's really nice for getting a visual of how your area is really laid out and what you know what your location is because. 
I get turned around because of the way the roads run. They, oh, yeah. they don't always run east, west, north, and south. Yeah, yeah. Why is this thing pointing over my right shoulder? I'm trying to go home. I have the same thing happen when sometimes I'll see the moon and my the road I go on, it, it changes direction and all of a sudden the moon will look like it's in the wrong spot. So it's kind of a wake-up call and it maybe just shows that I don't have a very good sense of direction. Yeah, maybe. Um yeah, I mean, as you're driving, it's it gets tougher, too, because there's so many small turns in the road that you don't even register as turns. Yeah, right. Okay, so there was... Uh, what are we doing? Uh, destination direction, transparent skin. Um, I think that just means the menu bars there, not the actual layers of the map. And then there's rendering attributes of the map. You can show contour lines at different um, zoom levels, there's a rendering mode. What is rendering mode? And optimize for browse car, bicycle, or pedestrian. I'm not. I'm not even sure what the difference. Uh, what would change there? It always seems to be fairly optimized. Um, you can hide polygons, which means you hide like buildings they would not display on there, or uh, perhaps even lakes or swimming pools might not display. I'm not entirely certain there. Hide boundaries would hide the um, like the town lines. And a roads-only map is a kind of minimized version of um, of OpenStreetMap that's just the roads, so that it's it's less confusing, which is probably pretty helpful on a smaller device. But because I spend so much time editing the map, um, I like to see what is there and what isn't. So I, I leave roads-only turned off. Yeah, and, and like always, you know, when there's an option, there's a use case for that. So. Um, try it out and see how it goes because it might be something you really like. Yeah, and when you get through that list and setting it up the way you like it, there's another tab for your car. You can do it all again, <laughs> and then another one for bicycle, and another one for walking. So it'll it'll actually even display in different ways depending on what you're doing with it. Yeah, the the just the sheer volume of the um, settings you can put in here just it makes this a little intimidating, maybe. But it also makes it quite useful, and once you have it set up, it's um, it it really is an intriguing application. Yeah, I I I really like it a lot. So once you get all that done, um, maybe the next thing to do. Oh, and I, uh, real quick, because this one confused me for a while. I have the layers button up on there, and if you hit the layers, it's going to pull up yet another menu, um, and it's going to ask you several different things. It'll um, it'll let you show points of interest on the map, uh, points of interest labels on the map. It'll let you show your favorites on the map, which if I'm driving, I don't want to see my favorites. I have too many of them. I go and pass them all the time. Uh, points of interest I may or may not want to see. Those are um, not specifically points of interest like, oh, there's a monument ahead. They can be anything, like there's a pharmacy over there or there's a mailbox or a bathroom, a public restroom. <clears throat> they can be just about anything, so they may be too overwhelming as well. Uh, the map source lets you choose your base map, so offline vector map is a good choice for that. But if you scroll way down, you can select an overlay or an underlay map. And say you select the overlay map, now it gives you sources for that. If you select Microsoft Earth, you're going to get a slider at the bottom of your screen for the transparency of Microsoft Earth. So you can kind of morph your map how you like it to where you see the roads um, and the satellite image over that. That's how you get that done. Okay. and Slows um, things down on my phone. 
Right, and that's that can be bad. Now I'm I'm trying to get back to where we were. <laughs> uh, we can be anywhere you want now because I that I just kind of finished up the menus. Um, I I think a good thing to do at this point is to uh, locate your house on the map and create a favorite for your home and and start creating a couple of favorites and learning how that works. So you're suggesting that I'm at home now, so let's find myself and create a favorite out of that? Yeah, if you're home, that's a good way to do it. You can just hit the, the locate me button or you can browse around the map until you find your home and you know find where it should or would be on the map. Um, and all you have to do is when you find the spot you want to make a favorite out of, you just um, long press on that until you get a little, uh, looks like a speech bubble almost. And it'll say location, latitude, longitude, and have a close button on it. And if you hit the close button, it disappears and you get to do it again. But if not, you can hit the center of that bubble and it'll pull up yet another menu. You can get directions to, set as destination, uh, directions from, search near here, share location, add to favorites, or mark as a parking position. Now, I was talking about adding it to favorites. So if we hit that, it lets you give a name to that spot and it lets you categorize your favorites. So, you know, I have categories such as um, friends and family and shopping places and hiking trails and all kinds of stuff like that. And you can, uh, you just type in what you want and hit add and it'll, it'll add it there. Yeah. And then, so planning your categories, kind of an important step, but it's pretty easy to make new categories and change them. And there's even a replace button here for if you want to change what category the favorite is in. Yep. And so if you wanted to do some actual navigation with the thing, uh, that's the way I like to do it is to, to find where I want to go on the map, add a favorite to that spot. Cause if I'm going somewhere, there's a good chance I'm going to go there again. Um, and from the map, you can hit the uh, the menu button or you can back out one screen to that greeting screen and go to the favorites tab and locate what you're looking for in there. Um, you find the spot you're looking for, tap on it, and you get a, a, yet another menu, a little pop-up dialog. Um, you can get directions to that spot, set it as a destination, uh, show it on the map, edit the favorite or delete the favorite. And the difference between setting something as a destination and getting directions is directions as actual navigation. Setting as destination just kind of puts a flag on it for the time being, and you can start your uh, navigation at a later time. You can also stop your navigation, and it's not going to delete that um, destination. You've got to do that manually. Okay, so I, I guess we're at having created a favorite and understanding how to put points actually or way. I guess I'd call these waypoints in the map of places you want to go or return to. Yep. And it's very, very easy to do. And in fact, it's a, this is quite a bit easier to use than, say, some handheld GPS devices where it might take you quite a bit of time to do this since you have a software keyboard available. Oh, man, it takes so long to put favorites into my TomTom. It's ridiculous. It, it, it doesn't like half of the buttons you press and... It doesn't cooperate, and you can only put in, like, street numbers, which never line up where you want. This This is so much better. Yeah, there, there is probably some someone from Finland or somewhere that's really fast at doing that and is probably scoffing at you, but 
boy, I certainly find these things a lot of times to be just real heavy time consumers. So I'm happy to see that um, Osmond really has a really efficient way to put favorites in. Oh, yeah, for sure. And every once in a while, you got to go somewhere you don't know where it is. And they have a, if you go back to the the main uh, menu there, not the main menu, but the um, like the welcome screen sort of, there's a search function. And that lets you do several different kinds of searches. I like the one that's got a little house icon as an address search. So you put in your, your region, which in the United States is the state you're in, your city, your street, and Nine out of ten times, unless you're editing OpenStreetMap and putting um, street numbers in, you're going to go. You're going to have two streets, which is means it's going to direct you to a crossroad, not a not a house number. Right, and then of course OpenStreetMap, where there is a lot of data in OpenStreetMap that was taken from um, data from the U.S. I mean, they're base, it's basically open, and they they took it in. There isn't a lot of address specific information that was that's actually been downloaded into OpenStreetMap and that that big download I guess I guess I'd call it the big download when they the US government allowed them to download that information yeah when they imported the I think they call them the tiger maps but they were the US geological survey map from I don't know whatever point they took it in at yeah you can say it so much better than I can I just know it happened and it's um yeah good enough Yep, and then there's also um, in the search menu. Let me see. You can do an address search. You can do. Co- you can put in specific coordinates. It'll find that point. Uh, you can search your favorites, which I don't know why you wouldn't just look for them in the menu. Uh, there's a search history. There's a transportation search. Uh, I'm not sure how that works. Probably finds buses and trains for you. That's that information is not always um, completely up to date for the more rural places the the city centers i bet it's pretty accurate for but i don't live in one so i can't speak to it um and there's also a point of interest search uh where you can browse through or search for specific stuff like fuel or public parking or public transport um as food shops emergency entertainment all kinds of of um point of interest uh, type stuff in here again this is just i mean if you haven't seen this it's worth just looking at to see all the features that are here and all the options that are available to search for. I used the search by name today to do a little test run when I went down to see my wife at the hospital, and I put in the hospital name, and um, sure enough, I could even go to the helipad there where the emergency helicopter comes in. It was in the map. I love adding helipads, and that might make me a nerd, but I'm comfortable with that. Good enough, yes. Okay, so um, where do we want to go from here? If we go back back to the main menu, I think we've pretty well covered just about everything that's here. I think we have too. I mean, except for maybe specific use cases, but I've kind of been talking about mine the whole time. Yeah, and since I'm sort of a new user, I don't have a lot of specific use cases except what I've talked about, and I really plan on using this. I can just see that I'm gonna. This is gonna be my friend for navigation here, this um, application, because it's just so full-featured, and I really love the fact that it's open source and free and that you can contribute to it. It's a avenue to be able to give back to the community and actually make your life and other people's lives better. Oh, it definitely is. One, one feature that I like about this that's just kind of built in, which you wouldn't 
you might not even notice. You might not even pick up that it does it. But if you are not, if you're just panning around the map and browsing the map, if you've got no destination set and no navigation going on, um, and you back out to like the main screen, it'll minimize for a little while and then eventually shut itself down. Um, so that you can do the main screen of your Android system, I mean, so that you can do, you know, email or whatever else you've got on your, your phone or device. Um, if there's navigation going on, it minimizes itself to like the system tray and just keeps running and running and running. And in your notification area, you'll see, you know, the little, um, the circle, like little target reticle with the dot in it, you know, for GPS, tap that and it pops you right back open to, you know where your position on on the map is and and you're navigating and i think it even you know keeps broadcasting on the sound channels too so you can be doing other things and still get your turn by turn directions from it it's that's it was just one little feature that i i kind of liked yeah and this i can't stress enough to people that are listening that might be thinking about taking you know downloading this and using it just how nice i think this looks and I know I don't have a – actually, I don't like sometimes a lot of flashy stuff that where it's real stylish, but I like something that's really, really functional and really gets down to the basics, but yet has a lot of options. And this really just fits for me, and I just can't tell you how much how pleased I am to have found this. And actually, the reason why I even dug around and started looking for this is because I heard you talking on Hacker Public Radio about – this the paper map thing with someone else and i thought i've got to um check that out and then i got a hold of you and thought you know we could get together and talk about it and you know as usual i'm kind of like the pilot fish hooked onto the shark and feeding off the crumbs you know and so that's i mean you certainly know a lot about this and i don't know how many years you've used it but you seem to have good knowledge of it so i'd say you're the expert uh maybe in this topic but a lot of times i'm i'm the same with the pilot fish thing and i know what you mean about this looking good it's not it's not a flashy thing but to have the map displayed on your crisp phone screen as compared to you know the chunky blocky um uh resistive touch screens that come with car navigation it really is like a step up in um, like quality, it just it 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 looks and feels much more quality than you know those devices that suction cup to your wind your windshield. And I I think a real advantage when you do have a smartphone to be able to get this type of a package or application in there, it's really wonderful. And then of course the being free and being developed by others, you just look at this and look at the depth of it and understand for me what this would sell for. If someone was actually trying to market this and sell this, how they would market all the options that it has and the detail that it has. And it's a wonderful application. And I just hope people, other people will download it and use it and contribute to the project. And I plan on contributing to get the entire, um, you know, worldwide maps and unlimited downloads and that. And I'm telling you, it's a bargain if you send them just the price they ask for it. And let me, let me step back to and tell you, something else that it can do for you that nothing else can do is as I'm panning around the map here and we're discussing this and I'm, I'm looking at it. Um, most people, if you're following along at home and doing this, you're going to see some combination of like white roads and yellow roads and that kind of thing. Um, 
I'm an OpenStreetMap editor. I, I spend time improving the map in my area where, where I see things and, and know things and can research things or drive by and have a look at it. So as I'm panning around, I'm not looking at yellow and white lines. I'm looking at a highly detailed map um, with buildings and fields and railroad tracks and forests, parking lots, uh, mini storages, all the all, like the thing, golf courses. And these are all things that I've added to the map. And it's so extraordinarily satisfying to know that my contributions actually count. You can, you know, like with a Tom Tom, you can change those speed limits on the roads all you want and, and pretend you're uploading them and pretend that somebody is looking and caring. And they pretty much just go nowhere. It's like the old days of Windows XP when you click the button to report a problem and hope that you're, you know, hey, they're going to fix that problem because I reported it. It's never going to happen. This thing has a very real, very tangible uh, feedback loop with your contributions to an open source project, to the OpenStreetMap. And I can't begin to tell you how gratifying that is when I look at this map and see, hey, I did that. I did that. It's just really heartwarming. Yeah, you cannot, um, at least for me, I don't know that some people understand the value of being able to participate in editing a map and contributing these things because it just makes so much sense that you can, someone has built a platform that you can easily use you can contribute and other people can get value out of it and you actually can get your own value like you're talking about putting your points of interest in your destinations and that so I really applaud the um, OpenStreetMap and the developers of Osman for what they've done and I believe that people should support the project and since I don't buy much software very little in fact I try to take at least part of that money and send it to open source projects because they're actually doing something good for other people, and it's all all of us making the world a better place. I couldn't say that any better if I tried. Well, Pokey, thank you for coming on with me tonight. I know we've got an hour and 37 right now into this. It might be a little shorter to get done editing it. <laughs> Ooh, a short one, hour and 37. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, thank you so much for inviting me on. It was a, a really great idea that you had. I was really excited um, when you came up with it, it sounded like fun and indeed it was. So thanks a bunch and, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. And I'll see you around the block and, um, catch you around on Hacker Public Radio. And I'd like to remind those people that are listening that Hacker Public Radio is a community podcast network. You can, um, contribute your own Ogcast podcast, whatever you want to call it to Hacker Public Radio, just by going to the hackerpublicradio.org website and getting the contribute information and we'd love to have you contribute yeah for sure and a, and a an easy way to remember that is you owe ken a show exactly i've got the mug to prove that catch you later pokey all right take it easy you have been listening to hacker public radio at hackerpublicradio.org we are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday monday through friday Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. 
HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.